friends, welcome to the Abundant Woman virtual event. I don't know if maybe you've looked outside or turned on the news or flashed on social media, but the world is crazy, <laughs> but it's also moving at such a fast pace that if you're anything like me, maybe you're like, I need to slow down. I need mm -hmm. to take a break. I need to figure out how to get out of this rat race. And, or maybe I'm just talking to myself here, but I know that there's so many women that feel this. And so I have asked my friend, Gabby Haber to join us because she is excellent at this topic and she has a passion for creating this. And so Gabby, um, in a chaotic and often contentious world, crafting a place of rest and peace for ourselves and our families is more important now than ever mm -hmm. before. With an emphasis on the art of homemaking and placemaking, writer and teacher Gabby encourages mothers to view their role through a biblical lens while elevating the daily rhythms of life-giving work at home so families can find rest, faith, and hope in an unhurried, home-centered world. I'm in love with that bio, too. <laughs> Welcome, Gabby. Thank you so much for being here. Samantha, thank you for having me. I just, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you, truly. So we are going to be talking about slow living and sort of the fast paced society. And Gabby, I'd love to hear a little bit of your story of like, how did you get here? Oh, thanks. Um, how much time do you have, my girl? Um, I'll try to give you the, the short <laughs> of it. Um, so we started homeschooling right from the beginning. I'm a former elementary school principal. Um, and before I got married and my husband was the one that had the discernment years ago to say, hey, I really think that we need to homeschool. And I thought, why would I do that? I mean, I, I'm important. I have degrees. I have a career. I have, you know, but it's interesting that um, the very first place I think that we come to an understanding of our own sanctification is in humility. Um, and uh, I, I stayed home and was humbled the, by the idea of being a homemaker, by the idea of caretaking for my family. But I found so much redemption and healing and restoration in who the Lord designed, I believe, all women to be to a certain, in, in their various spaces, but ultimately for sure me, I, I have a calling. I, I was literally called to be at home and to cultivate a place of rest and hope for my family. And so, um, you know, but we were the, just the typical, at that time, suburban family. We live out in, in the country now in a rural space, but, um, you know, it just, um we were just a typical family, but we, we did have a different approach. We chose intentionally um, to cultivate, we, we chose to homeschool because of discipleship. Essentially, that was kind of our primary motivation and relationship. Um, and those were the two elements that were the undercurrents of just about everything we did. Um, but, you know, I am an, I'm a severe introvert. And introverts have this kind of reputation of, of being kind of solitary, isolated creatures. And that's not the case at all. We just, we are re-energized by retreating. Um, and the world is um, very much the opposite. I think we, we run at a speed that I believe is almost anathema to our souls. We were not created or designed to move at the speed that our culture tells you that we have to move at or requires you to move in. And so when I, as a homemaker and as, you know, as a stay-at-home mom, I actually found that quieter rhythm to be more life-giving to me. And so um, in 2018, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. He had a seizure in the middle of the night. We had no idea what was going on. Um, and he had a, um, a tumor the size of a, a golf ball on his right temple. And it was at that point in time, I think that that's kind of 
you know, slow living is, is a social concept. No one really kind of understands what it is. It's just the idea of kind of slowing down. But when that diagnosis came, um, you, you begin to recognize that the things that you think are important in life really aren't all that important. And sadly, it takes a life tragedy, a major life event, um, a, a significant concept in your life to be able to shift that perspective for you. And so um, that I would say that that's really where a lot of my journey started, more intentionally anyway. The things that were, were important, just not important. We don't need to go to this party or we don't need to go to this event or we don't need to. What we need essentially is to continue to cultivate relationship and to use time wisely in a way that serves our values. And so what are our values? We had to kind of reevaluate that. Um, and then are we engaging in behaviors that ultimately support our values or are we doing what we say are is important to us? And so I think my journey kind of started there. Uh, my husband did pass away uh, at the time of this recording anyway, almost uh, a little over two years ago um, from glioblastoma. It was a surgery complication. And so I am a widow, a uh, single mom. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, I, after the, just the intense grief, not just of the diagnosis, but ultimately of my husband's passing, um, there's a reinvention almost that kind of has to happen because I'm no longer a wife, but I'm still a homemaker and a mother, but, and I'm still a homesteader, but I'm not this and I'm not, who am I? Um, and I would say slow living again, kind of became the undercurrent of everything that I was doing in trying to redefine my place in the world, um, who I am, what I'm supposed to be doing, what am I, you know, what is my calling? Now do I have to seek employment? Now do I have, I mean, I don't know anything about retirement accounts. And I had to sit there and kind of sort through my husband's estate and go through all of those things. But again, the principles were, what are my values? And you know what? I'm not, I'm going to choose not to do the things that the world is telling me I should be doing, even as a widow and kind of mark my own way. And so um, that's a little bit of what kind of brought me to this place in um, this approach, this um, philosophy of life, I guess, um, that has been the undercurrent of, of what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so sorry that it took something like losing oh, your girl. husband to yeah. experience that. But also thank you for using that to then encourage and equip us who to maybe do that before anything oh, like that happens. Like for us, it doesn't have to be a catalyst of a tragedy to point us to that because Gabby's using what she's learned and teaching it to mm -hmm. other women. And so I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Um, thank I you. had, I say in a past life, but you know what I mean? Christians when I say that, but <laughs> I was on the rat race and I, the very cliff note version is I was in the medical field for so long and I thought that was forever. And then, you know, things happened and the world changed. And then, um, I ran a marketing agencies and that turned into this big rat race. And the Lord finally asked me to surrender that. And I picked up sourdough. <laughs> I discovered the world of sourdough Amazing. and like homemaking. Yeah. But yeah, even when I first picked up sourdough, I was like, how can I make this a business? How can I sell yeah. this? How can I, I like my brain? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that is not sourdough. If you know sourdough, it takes so much patience, but it was yeah. my introduction to sort of homesteading, if you will, and yeah. slower living. Yeah. And so mine is completely different, but I still, now I crave it. Like, I wish we mm -hmm. could go pause button slow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, there's something about, I mean, we can go in so many different directions, right? With this conversation where, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Joel Salatin, uh, author, farmer, uh, speaker, believer as well. But I mean, you know, he frequently talks about how disconnected we are from our food source. But I mean, it's it's very typical of everything else we we exist in. You know, there's this famous quote by Liberty Hyde. I can't think of her last name right now. And I'm going to butcher the quote. I'm happy to send it so that your listeners have, um, you know, have that quote. It's beautiful. But it essentially eventually talks about how eventually we get to a place in our lives where we recognize that we've been living these artificial lives and we almost have this calling to return to the soil, right? This calling because that, that constant death and rebirth is the gospel story, right? But the gospel story is everywhere in creation. It's everywhere in, you know how our food is, how we, how we come to our food, how we live in community, how we exist with our families. It's a constant cycle of um, connection. And I think that we've lost a lot of that in this fast paced world for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. There's always a Joneses to keep up with. There's always a thing you could be doing. If you don't have a career, there's college, there's a hobby, there's self-care, which is also, you can add to the list. Like there's always Mm -hmm something. And as women, we're in a unique position. This could also be a separate conversation where I feel like one, it's been the enemy to distract us and pull us away from the home for so many reasons. One of which is, is it's our, it's our role, but also is if we keep confusing the women and confusing what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing, then it actually stops us from doing what we are called to do. And, And so we're, not necessarily saying you have to leave suburbia and go buy a homestead or create a homestead. Not like, not necessarily that drastic though. Gabby in my stories, that's in there, but (laughs) um, how can women create a slow, slow living life amidst the crazy amidst the fast pace? Like not necessarily go get the homestead. Yeah. And I never want a woman to believe, because I talk to women all the time and say, oh, I would love to do that. I'd love to make my own soap. I'd love to, but we're waiting to, you know, buy land. And I'm like, but the soap, the skills don't have anything to do with the space. The skills are something Mm -hmm. that traditionally I would say were passed on through generations. And because we're so detached from community and even familial community, a lot of those things are not, the traditional skills I'd say are not passed along. But not only that, I think the bigger the bigger vacancy there is um, the Titus two women that would teach us how to be keepers of our home. Um, and is that not all what we're saying, you know, to love our husbands and to be keepers of our home? We the, the Lord, there is a calling for us to be homeward in our orientation. And I'm not suggesting that everyone needs acreage to do this. You don't need a dairy cow in order to be a keeper of your home. You don't necessarily even have to homeschool to be a keeper of your home, although I'd highly recommend it. Um, but it is about this design because we were built and we talked about this before we hit record, you know, we, we were, we're built as the nurturers. We are the, we're the shelterers, the healers that we're the life givers. We're the only now, right now we're in a place where they're trying to convince us that anyone can be a birthing person. Um, but that's not the case, right? We have wombs. The Lord life starts the Lord gives us the ability to bring forth life and how, what a beautiful privilege that is because that marks us from half of the world. Right. Um, and in that, yeah. um, I'm forgetting your question now, cause now I'm on a little bit on the soapbox, but, um, I, I think that being able to take account 
of intentionality as women with how we were made really goes a long way in trying to be uh, trying to live a slower lifestyle. Um, and so I think your question was how how can women essentially begin to approach a different, you know, I think one of the things that I would highly encourage any woman to do or really any family to do, um, well, I've got so many, let me, let me grab, let's grab a list, my girls, and let's start taking notes. But um, the very first thing um, is that I think you have to be aware of your value system. Uh, you have to know exactly what you believe and why you believe it. Because right now, um, everything in the world is trying to confuse you. Um, and if it can't confuse you, it's going to try to distract you. Um, and that that takes us away from the very calling that the Lord has placed on our lives. And every single one of us have a purpose, a definition, a calling. There is work for each of us to do whether that be the cultivation of just our families, because that in and of itself is ministry, or if we're called to, uh, you know, minister to other, maybe we're childless and we need to minister to other women in the workplace, wherever, wherever the Lord has placed you is right exactly where you need to be in this season. That's not to say that you'll be somewhere else, else, you know, at another season. Absolutely. If you want the acreage, that's fine, but that has nothing to do with your intentionality in life. It essentially has to do with that's just geography, right? Geography is is a whole different conversation. Um, but intentionality can start wherever you are. Um, but I think you need to be aware of your value system. Who are you? I can define you. I am a, I'm a believer. I'm a Bible believer. I'm a, I'm a Christian mother. Uh, I'm a widow at this season in my life. Um, you know, I'm a homeschooling mom. Yes, I have a homestead and I'm milking the goats and making the dough and line drying the clothes and all the things. But that doesn't necessarily define how I, my value system is very specific, but it, the foundation there is Christ, right? So what does that tell me? That everything that the world is trying to tell me about who I am is almost antithetical to what the Lord says that I am. So why would I believe that, right? So there is a separation. The Bible calls us essentially to be in the world, but not of the world. And it's incredibly difficult to do that right now um, because you almost have to turn your back on everything that the, that the world is telling you is a good thing for you. Um, and that's hard to do. That's hard to do. And I'm not saying that we should be ignorant to everything, to the plight of, you know, uh, war in different countries or what's going on here domestically or our voting capacity or the political sphere or the financial or economic disposition of our country. That's, I'm not saying that, but I think there is a place for that. And it's not in the daily, everyday intention of our lives. Um, I think that where the Lord has placed you and whom the Lord has called you to steward, and for most of us, those are children um, and husbands as well, because husbands, needs, they need care and attention and respect and support and admiration and love. Um, I think that's where our calling is. Um, and that makes us as women um, the quiet resistance, I think. Um, and... Um, I think we need to be that quiet resistance in order to push back against the darkness that I feel very acutely pressing in. Um, but I think that we would need to, um, yeah, know what you're, know who you are, know your value system. Um, wow. The second thing I would recommend, um, is that you then delete what is not in alignment with your value system. Um, one of the things and give yourself permission to say no. I think that's one of the things that we as women struggle with in general because we want we're the helpers, right? We're the ones that want to go and tend and heal. And so we'll sign up for the extra church potluck. And yes, I'll volunteer here. And I'm sure I'd be happy to help you with that. And I'm but by the end, after you've done all the helping and the nurturing and the healing, 
you actually recognize that you're busier after doing all of that than you would have been if you had just said, thank you so much for that opportunity. I'm not available for that at this time. Um, and being able to be okay in giving yourself permission to say no to the things that are not in alignment with your values. Um, and is my value, one of my values, Christian, you know, community, Christian charity. Yes, it is. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go sign up for every single thing because that takes me away from my primary ministry, which at this point is my home, is my son and my home. Um, and the cultivation of that secondary, then the Lord has called me to minister to other women. Um, and so here I am also learning and being under Titus two women so that I can turn around and be a Titus two woman to women that are steps behind me. Um, and so those are the two ministries right now where the Lord has called me. So I can't accept every single invitation to everything um, because it takes me away from those things, even though those things, those other things may be good things. They're not always the best things. Um, oh, Samantha, what is the other thing? Um, you know, I would say, okay, so assess your values, delete um, and align your behaviors with your values, and then essentially rebuild. Um, what are the things that are in alignment with your values? One of the things that in our home, and I am not saying that if you have a television in your home, you go do you. Um, there is no judgment or condemnation to any of the any of what I'm saying. Everything I say is from my personal experience, and it really does come out of a heart of love. But I have recognized um, that in the past for us, television was a distraction. Um, you know, you, it either wants you to buy something or it wants you to believe something, or it wants you to think a certain way, or it wants you to be entertained by something, or it wants you, we haven't had a television in our house, I'd say maybe almost 10 years now that we're going on 10 years. And so, um, do I feel freer? Absolutely. I'm not out of touch with news because I can log online and get, everybody can get news. I mean, we're just literally clicks away from being able to, to access a news point, but being bombarded with all of that um there's always a fire there's always a murder there's always a robbery there's always a, a fire you know a country burning yeah. down there's always poverty there's a so what does that do to our hearts and our minds and our you know the bible calls us to keep our thing our minds on things above not on earthly things not saying that you shouldn't be concerned and that you shouldn't be able within due season be able to contribute to those causes that you believe in but if it takes you from keeping your mind on things above, um, then yeah, I, it needs to it needs to go. And so for us, that's just a value that we we don't want to be bombarded with the weight of the world in my home. And so I want my home to be a place of rest. I want it to be a respite from the outside world. I want people, whomever, both my family or people that walk in my door, neighbors, to to be at peace in my house. And so I've deleted that thing from my home. Um, you know, it, it just, we have to find a balance, but once we delete things, we then have to rebuild according to our values and not according to what the world tells us is right for us. Because everybody's got an opinion, you know, on how you should live. And you're probably hearing this going, well, how is that different, Gabby, from what you're doing? I don't have an opinion on how you should live. I'm just saying this is what has worked for me. Um, and this is how I've been able to slow down and focus on the things that are truly important to me um, that the that the Lord has called me to, and so that I can stay focused without distraction on on my purpose. Yeah, that was a really long explanation. Samantha. So good. No, <laughs> so I love it. That was so good. I um and really this these steps I feel like they take like we're we're not telling you that it's going to be easy. 
because you have to mm-hmm. almost take a stand. Like this is the culture I want in my home. Yeah. This is what our value system is. And this is what I'm willing to do to make sure that this is it. Because if you are saying I'm an honest person and yet you lie, then you're not an honest person. If you're saying my home is a place of rest and um, worship and whatever, I don't know, pick something, but you're busy, you're never home, your house is a mess, chaotic. You know what I mean? Like the actions have to match the value system. So I love that you started with that. I have even, um, so if you have a partner, a a husband, if you have children, then once you and your husband figure out the value system, make it a known thing in your home. Mm -hmm. So I'll even say like, there's characteristics that I want to call out of my children and characteristics that I want to rebuke. And so it'll be like, my last name Siemens. It's unfortunate, but it'll be like the Siemens children or redheads is what I call them. We are not, we don't actually like, we believe in truth. And so we believe that the Bible is true, but we also believe that our words need to be true. And so if we're lying, we're not being truthful. Like we call that out of them and make it a known thing in our house. I have a sign in my home that says, love God, love people, because that is a value of ours. And it is a reminder every single time I'm in that room. And so stand for something and then have your actions represent the somethings. It's easy to say, I hate culture. And then all our money is spent on culture and all our consumption is in the culture. Like it's, it's easy to say that. And then our actions don't line up with it. And so I love that you don't have a TV. (laughs) I think that is fantastic. We have limited our TV. There mm-hmm. is no condemnation, no judgment, no. I just, for me, it just, it creates chaos in my heart and in my mind. It really does. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is, I'll disclose a little bit. I, I might be getting too personal here and I hope I, hope I don't get the emails or anything, but um, I have a vaccine injured child um, and uh, my firstborn is vaccine injured. And so for a long, for a long time, I was in the medical freedom movement. Um, and I would go and testify at our state legislator. I would sit in committee. I would, you know, anything to push bad bills back. Um, we were just a bunch of angry moms in minivans going to the Capitol to try to fight legislation that would impede and or impact our medical freedom rights here in Texas. Um, I even had to step away from that, Samantha. Like it's, it's just, there is so much, there's only so much your heart can take. I think. Um, and I, I, I don't believe for a season that might've been the right thing, just like a TV might be a good, a good thing for you in a certain season. And another season, you're just like, you know what? I'm filled to capacity. This is what I believe the Lord has called me to in this season. And so I have to delete that. Even if that's a good thing, I have to move that crusade on to somebody else because that's not where my heart is right now. Yes, I still believe in medical freedom. Yes, I still believe, you know, I have, you know, certain principles that I stand on daily, but that's not my fight anymore. Um, I I have another calling. This is the primary calling and doing that is taking me away from doing this. And so I have to make a decision. I say, these are my values. And even though that's a good thing, I can't do that right now. I have to do this. Um, and so it's just, I think each of us can, you know, the Bible says that for the believer, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Um, and what mm-hmm. is beneficial, what you believe in not only is permissible and beneficial to you as a believer, Samantha, 
may not be for me, right? I can't make that decision for you. You can't make that decision for me. The Holy Spirit resides in each one of us and he guides us to the truth of understand, to the understanding of truth for each individual, right? For each, I mean, in alignment with the scripture. And so Bible says, apart from Christ, there is no good thing. So as long as Christ is the marker, having a TV is not bad. Drinking a soda is not bad. Making medical decisions that you believe are right for your children. I don't have any judgment in that. It just depends on, is that right for you? Is it right for me? You know, does it align with my values? And will it allow me, will engaging in this behavior allow me to consistently establish a sustainable pattern of what I want for my life? Um, and I, I, I move yeah. at a slower pace than most people. Um, anything faster just is, is bombards my heart and mind that I just can't, I can't function. So. Yeah. I love what you said though, about even the things we say no to, they're not, it's not that it's a bad thing, right? We're not talking, this isn't a sin issue, right? It could be good right. things, but it's not your yes. It's not your best. Correct. Yes. And so mm-hmm. that matters. It's not right or wrong, good versus evil. And sort Mm -hmm. of all of these things. It's last summer, I signed up my kids up for a million VBS programs because Mm -hmm. I needed them to be busy. And I thought that was the right thing. This Mm -hmm. summer, we signed up for like one because our church hosted, like it's just different seasons and different, none of them are bad. It was just different decisions that match the culture that I want in my home, something like that. You know, they don't have to be major decisions. And I feel like it's, it's brave for us to take it, but it's also something that I don't shout from the rooftops. I signed my kids up for VBS last summer and not this summer. It's not mm-hmm. something that is a core value of mine, right? Yeah. So if I yeah. translate that like to different things, there are some things that I will not budge. You will know my stance on this if we have a conversation and you know me, period. But again, mm-hmm. it's not something we're necessarily shouting from the rooftop. And I love that mm-hmm. it's they're out of places for love. So take these examples and fixate on your own life and what, like Holy Spirit is so good. And he's probably bringing mm-hmm. things up to mind. If you, if your home is fast and it's contentious and it's, you know, busy and just doesn't feel like you can breathe in your own home, then ask the Lord to show you what, what can I give? What, what is not lining up with the values that I want for my home and for my family? What is, what is going against what you've called me to? And, and then take action to get rid of those things. Delete. I like that one. Delete. (laughs) Yeah. Just delete. And I mean, eventually you supplant something different or nothing at all. And that's the thing though. I mean, I think sometimes even our best efforts though can still result in it's a process that takes time, cultivation. I mean, if you plant seeds in the ground, I can tell you I have a robust garden, you know, back on one of our plots and um, it takes time. I mean, you know, some seeds are slow bolt, right? And so you're looking at 160 days, 140 days before you even see any fruit for any anything to be able, much less harvest, right? Harvesting is even further than that. But it's, um, it, it takes time to cultivate that. And so if you, I would recommend if you could find one thing that is, and I, we all know what rubs up against us in our homes. Um, I think that if you could identify one thing and just say, you know what, I'm going to let everything else continue running as it's running. But this one area of our lives, maybe it could be your morning time. Maybe it's, maybe morning time for you is just hectic and crazy and nobody gets up on a schedule. Nobody, you know, I, whatever you want to, maybe it's your evening time. You can't get to bed on time. 
are on time for you, for your body. You're not listening to your body. So then you're getting up late. So then you're starting your day late. So then everything is pushed back and nothing gets done. There's got to be one area that's a sticking point. I would only focus on that one thing. What can you do to align that particular concept, area, factor, element in your life and bring it into alignment with what you say you believe in, what you, what you say essentially you stand for, um, and delete excess off of that one thing so that it stands alone and that you can create a focused intention for it and say, no, I, my, my bedtime is going to be nine o'clock. That's what my body is telling me that when everybody goes to bed at this time, essentially everybody wakes up happier. We we're more fulfilled. We, we can get our morning time done. Our schoolwork is finished by noon. Um, everybody's happier if we do that, then what steps need to be implemented to slow that down uh, and make sure everybody's in bed by nine. Does that mean that at eight o'clock, everything has to shut down? You know, dinner is cleaned up, the kitchen's cleaned up, we've all done, we've all did, had our reading time or our TV time or whatever it is that you wanna engage in, but things shut down and then you're working backwards. Um, I think that goals are great, but goals are typically a short-term investment uh, for a very specific marker. Um, slow living is not a goal. It's actually the cultivation of a life. I mean, it is, it's a practice that you move into, um, and it takes time. It, it just takes time to cultivate. It takes time to produce fruit from that, but you can start small you start with one thing and say, this is what I'm going to be intentional about. This is what I really want to focus on. Um, and then you'll eventually start to see the benefit of that. And that benefit then motivates you to say, okay, well, that wasn't too bad. You know, instead of going to bed at one o'clock in the morning because we were up doing whatever, we're now in bed by nine. I have all this energy in the morning. Well, what else can I tackle? Uh, maybe it's house chores. Maybe you think you feel like you can do all the things all the time every day because moms do that, right? We feel like we can do everything. And then in the end, we don't get much done. Um, what if you just tackled one totally. thing, you know, and this is, I'm just going to focus on this task for the next 30 days and I'm going to perfect and create a rhythm and a habit that is self, that is sustainable um, that impacts our, our family for the better. Um, I'm just going to focus on this one thing. And so it's, it takes time to create that. It's not, I don't want anyone to say, oh, I'm going to start living slow and this is what I'm going to do. It's not quite that easy, but it's also not that complicated either. You know, it's just, um, it's just not yeah. that complicated. Just be gentle, go gently. Yeah. And know that there's lots okay. of grace. Yes. Be gentle. There's <laughs> lots of grace in this. This isn't a pass or fail. Mm -hmm. This isn't a test. Like Gabby just said, it's a lifestyle and it's just making tweaks and anything I feel like is better. If you're feeling the contention now, anything, any movement, one thing is better than what you're at right before you start. And yeah. so there's grace in that. There's freedom in that. And be nice to yourself about it. It's not a pass or fail. And the goal is to slow down our life and to get rid of excess so we can deeper our relationship with the father. So we can yeah. hear from him. We can't hear from him if we're going a million miles. So we yeah. can spend time in his word. So we can make our priorities match our lifestyle and the culture of our home. And so yeah. Gabby, before we sort of wrap up, I would love if you, you've already done a great job, this whole conversation, but uh -huh. can you speak to the woman who is feeling the pull to start and just give her a word and some encouragement? Oh, wow, Santa. Um, you know, one of the things that I think robs women in particular of rest and peace um, is social media. 
Um, and I won't, I, again, I'm not here. I, you've heard it all. Everybody's heard it all. You know, there are scientific, you know, medical journals that are publishing scientifically researched backed up studies that show that social media and our consumption of social media is impacting our mental and emotional health. Okay. So we all know that, but yet we still engage in the same practices. Um, I think for a woman that is wanting to start a slower lifestyle, we've already talked about identifying the one thing, but I really think that social media, um, oh, Samantha, I don't even know how to say this. And I, I mean, I run a digital business. I run an online community. Uh, I, I am online. I am not here to say that social media is, you know, the devil and it's horrible and there's gnashing of teeth and, you know, it's not anything like that. I think social media is a very fantastic thing. You and I, Samantha, would not have connected had we not been in the social media mm -hmm. space, right? I mean, we spoke at a conference, but it's just we connections that that is the town square of our culture at this point. However, I think that as women, it's so easy for us to look at all the Instagram worthy pictures and the homes and the dresses and the clothing and the perfect children and the perfect curriculum and the and make the assumption that there is some lack within us uh, because our lives don't look like somebody else's. Um, and so I would say the first element that I would certainly ask the Lord to give you strength for and against is comparison. Um, your journey is your journey. And I cannot speak to your journey. I cannot tell you what to do because it's, I mean, you telling me what to do as a widow and a single mom is not really going to jive if you're, you know, are married and have a family of eight, right? I mean, I have a, I have a very different lifestyle than you do. Um, however, as believers, we all can submit um, to, to the urging and the pressing of the Holy Spirit in that. But I think social media impedes a lot of that for us. Um, I think that a concerted amount of time, whether you're going to say, I'm only going to spend 15 minutes on social to connect with friends in the morning and 15 in the afternoon, and then you call it a day. I mean, however, markers, whatever you want to do for yourself in that sense. But I think we need to be very cautious and careful about our consumption of comparison because it's so easy to live in someone else's world instead of living in our own um, in, in wanting and coveting and hoping and wishing that we had something that we think are, we're lacking and we're not lacking. Um, you know, the Bible says that essentially anyone who asks for wisdom, the Lord gives generously to all without finding fault. And so the Lord is the source for everything that we need. Um, and so I think that advice would be stop comparison, stop, stop comparing. Um, and look to essentially look to Christ, who is our hope for salvation. Um, and, and you think, well, that sounds so tried. It's so easy to do. It's, you know, everybody says that. No, but I, I think that recognizing that the Lord made you complete and whole, and that apart from Christ, the Bible tells us we don't have anything that's good, but here you align yourself with Christ and he is the giver of all life. And then you begin to recognize, you know, I really don't need to compare myself to that or my house will never look like that. I will always have crumbs on my counter. But what does that tell me? I have fed a family, right? I have, uh, there are toys on the floor. My child has been happy. He's been playing. Uh, I have a pile of laundry to go through. How beautiful the Lord has sheltered our bodies and has provided clothing for us. And I've, you know, we have clothing for my family. I have sheets to, you know, wash today. Oh, how wonderful. I have a warm bed to sleep in. There's always a paradigm shift that we can make in the, the, the way that we think we lack things. And when we make that paradigm shift, gratitude steps in. 
And with gratitude, um, there's an element for us to actually slow down and cultivate the habit of attention, which I think is also really lacking. Um, and so my advice would be to stop, compare, stop comparing your life to somebody else's. Um, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, as the scripture tells us. Um, and, and ultimately, um, move from a place of abundance instead of a place of lack. Um, cause it's just so easy to want instead of praise. And I think that's, yeah, that's really that, that disposition of praise is what will move us towards a slower, more abundant way of life. So good. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that last word can be a whole nother podcast episode too. We'll have to have you on, <laughs> but I, um, I appreciate this. I appreciate you, um, and your encouragement and just being real with us and friends, mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're like, I need more of Gabby, have no fear. Um, every single listener gets, a, an opt-in, a free gift from our speakers and Gabby is giving us the five daily habits of a life-giving home. And you can find this link below. Be sure to click and to sign up for that. And then also if you are a VIP member, if you're not, sign up below. Stop wasting it. Just come on. And then if you are, Gabby is also giving us a gift of a one-month trial to the Homemaker Collective. Uh, do you want to share about both of these items? Yeah, thanks, Tantha. So the five daily habits of a life-giving home um, essentially are five daily habits that I've cultivated over years. Um, and uh, I've condensed it into a podcast. <laughs> it's a private podcast, um, as well as a workbook that you can work through completely free. But it's just my hope there is to encourage you again to make those mental paradigm shifts um, and to consider the way that we speak to our children, the behaviors that we engage in, um, just things that if we were to delete some things or shift some things, I think that you would begin to see a different atmosphere and culture in your home. You want your home to be life-giving because you yourself are a life giver sourced from the very life giver himself. And as mothers, we have the beautiful privilege of stepping into that place um, where we create an atmosphere of of rest and abundance and hope for anybody that walks in and so that resource is available um as well as the homemaker collective which is what i think is going to be a beautiful just a beautiful community of faith-filled women that want to be homeward in their orientation um the the hope there the vision there is to um build in assets and classes and resources that not just encourage our homemaking um, our homeschooling, uh, because I believe this is a whole nother conversation too, as a former public administrator, um, I believe that if you want to raise your children um, uh, under the discipleship of a biblical worldview, homeschooling is the best way to do that. Uh, the world, public school, private school, you are, they're your children and no one will love them like you love them. And so you're the best person uh, to teach them, I believe. Um, there's the help is available. I mean, you're not out there doing this alone. Help is available. Uh, but homeschooling is a component of that community. And then homesteading skills. Like I have women come to me saying, can you teach a class on sourdough starters? Can you teach a class on soap making? Can you, um, all of those skills that I didn't learn them. They didn't, they weren't passed down to me. I sought them out. I YouTubed and podcast and took classes and did all. I just came this weekend <laughs> from a class on pressure canning. So I water bath can and I have a pressure canner, but I've been afraid to use it because I've heard horror stories of exploding things and cans and glass. And 
it's super easy. It's super easy. I am now going to teach a class on pressure canning in the Homemaker Collective. And so um, it's just a one so month cool. uh, opportunity to come um, meet me literally at the founding member um, foundation of it. I want to know what skills or classes or workshops you want. And then I will go source that or create the resources myself. And we'll build that into this community um, where I hope and believe that we not just can learn from the Titus two women, but eventually step into the invitation to be Titus two women ourselves and teach other women how to be homeward in their orientation. Perfect. So excited. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. And like I said, friends, all the links to everything Gabby has described is right below. So you don't want to miss out and grab those. And thank you so much, Gab, for your time. Oh, thank you, Samantha. It is just, it's been a joy. It's such a delight to talk to you. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh,